You're listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. The Hero of the Story helps you study and teach the story of redemption from all Scripture. Now join your hosts, Aaron Armstrong and Brian Dembozik. Hey, welcome to today's episode of The Hero of the Story. I'm Aaron, and uh, with me, of course, is Brian. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. Got a little bit of a cold working. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Get the sniffles. It's not good. I don't like that. That's all right. uh, But you know, Brian, recently we hosted an online event called The Gospel at the Center. You may recall this because you spoke in it. Yes, I recall. Yes, that's right. And you did a great job. Well, I thank you. You're welcome. And uh, and we had actually a, a pretty great lineup of speakers, yourself included. Well, no, I as I tell people, I was the warm up act. Oh, come on. I Stop mean, that it. lineup was amazing. It was Aaron. it was pretty great. And then somehow us knuckleheads got in there. I, I'm too. telling you, it's, yeah. it's weird. So yeah. So anyway, anyway, um, we had a great time with this event. It was it. Had, it was phenomenal in terms of, and just in terms of the amount of the the level of speakers that were in it, mm-hmm. the um, the content that was shared, um, the all of these people's love for the gospel and the church, um, and so we actually want to share some of that content with you. Yeah. So um, for the next few episodes, actually, we're going to be releasing an episode a day for a special week of the gospel at the center here on the podcast. That's pretty cool. It is. And gives you a chance to listen to five of these. And we, we pulled five that, um, I mean, these were, 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 how many total sessions were there? We had 28, 28 sessions. 28 sessions. So, I mean, I mean these, these are no way, shape, or form the only five good ones, of course. These no, are five no. great ones of many more great ones. Absolutely. Um, but we just thought these were really good episodes to share in this format. Yeah. So there's, um, so you're going to be hearing over the next few days, you're going to be hearing from five different church leaders about how the gospel changes our understanding of a number of different issues in the church from, um, you know, from really what, what do we, how do we understand, um, diversity and and ministry in an urban context to to how we process grief and mm-hmm. and help people through that together um how the gospel affects um how women serve and lead in the church as well um how it impacts our our welcoming of of new people and new leaders and today we're actually starting with um, with a really interesting one, which is um, presented by Micah Fries, who's the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And what he's going to be talking about is how the gospel changes our view of discipline. Yeah, and this is such a an important episode to hear or, or, or talk to hear because um, as, as Micah talks about early on, we often take the wrong idea and carried over into discipline, and we think it's punitive actions on God's behalf, and that's why it's so hard for us not only to uh, to receive God's discipline in our lives, but also just to understand it in general. When we come across passages in Scripture and or examples, and we're like, "This is just problematic." If we look at it through that that incorrect lens of God punishing mm-hmm. through His discipline instead of correcting and restoring, so I think it's a really, really important message that Micah has to share. Yeah, absolutely. And so we hope you enjoy this this message from Micah. And if you want to watch the actual video and um, and watch the rest of it, you can do so at gospelproject.com. So in the book of Proverbs, and again in Hebrews, the Bible tells us that the Lord disciplines those who he loves. And in fact, the text says that we're just supposed to respond to God like sons would to a father. 
But if you're like me, man, I spent so much of my life thinking that the discipline of God basically meant, well, you know, I blow it all the time. And so God, he, you know, brings the thunder, he punishes me, helps get it right. And then in the future, I don't do that again. Uh, And then God completely wrecked my world one day. Uh, I was reading in Romans chapter eight, verse one. And of course, you know, the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I was meditating on that text and I thought, Man, that text indicates that God doesn't punish. There's no punishment for those who are followers of Jesus. So how do we reconcile that God doesn't punish his children, but God does discipline his children? How do we understand that rightly? So I began to do a little bit of a word study trying to understand discipline. And and I realized that we have made a major error, many of us, in how we understand the discipline of God and how he engages with his children. See, too often we think of discipline as punitive behavior. In other words, God sees us, we do something wrong, God punishes us so that we don't do it again. That's a really flawed understanding of God's discipline. God's discipline is not punitive in nature, it's corrective in nature. In other words, it's not punishment, it's it's, uh, sanctification. It's making us more like Jesus. It's pointing us forward, not backward. And, And that's the key. Punishment looks back at what we've done and, and allows us or enables us to, to, to take what we deserve because of what we've done. Correction points us forward to what God desires for us to be. He doesn't punish us because we failed. He corrects us or disciplines us or points us forward to show us what we can be, what we should be in the world the way he designed it. Now, why does this matter? It matters significantly from a theological perspective. Because if God punishes us, if his behavior in our lives is punitive, then that means that the cross has become invalid. Think think about it this way. On the cross, Jesus took the weight of all of our sin, 100% of it. He took every bit of God's punishment, the justice of God, the wrath of God, poured out on the body of Jesus when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, the Bible says, in our place. If God then has to see us as his children, and has to punish us because we've done something wrong, then what he's saying is that you and I need Jesus. We need Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, and we need to bear the weight of our own sin in order for us to be right with Jesus or right with God. In other words, if we believe that the idea that God disciplines his children is punitive or is punishment, then it means that we're denying the cross. In other words, getting the discipline of God right is fundamental, it's foundational, in this idea of understanding discipline and understanding how God engages with his children. So how does this play out in our lives? Well, for one, theologically, we get the gospel right. Two, practically, functionally, it means we don't walk around day to day living our lives consumed with guilt. And yet, when I see Christians who come from a church culture, and I grew up that way, I grew up my entire life in the church, like nine months in the womb, raising hands in utero, worshiping Jesus as a a very young child, I walked through my entire life knowing that discipline in my life between my parents who loved me and me meant that I would do something wrong Uh, They would correct my behavior. In fact, I used to get spanked and we had this wooden spoon at our house. My dad joked that that he needed to paint on it. I need the every hour because, you know, I was a problem child and I constantly needed discipline. And so he would deliver that discipline. I would feel the weight of the pain and I wouldn't do it again. And to some degree, what it did is it taught me to live with a little bit of fear, uh, which could be healthy at times, but constant sense of guilt because I knew that I was always doing things that that weren't right. I was perpetually lying or being dishonest or disobeying. 
Now, translate that into my Christian walk. I became a believer in Jesus when I was 12 years old, or I became a believer in Jesus when I was 12 years old. I was continuing to grow as a follower of Jesus, and yet I found myself as a follower of Jesus constantly buried under the weight of my sin. I mean, I knew theologically that on the cross Jesus took the weight of my sin, but I also thought, well, God disciplines his children. I deserve this. I've failed. I disobey all the time. I deserve for God to pay me back, to make things right by causing me to feel the weight of my sin. And so I would sin and I would walk around feeling guilty. And, uh, and what, it, what it does is it serves to make me feel good, in a sense, in my, in my flesh, because I'm doing something about my sin. I'm taking the weight of my sin. It elevates my posture in the gospel story, allowing me to bear the weight of my own sin, which in a weird, perverse, sick sort of way enables me to feel better about my sin. But not only that, it keeps me from persevering in sanctification uh, because I understand that the, the fix for my sin is to trust in Jesus and have God bring the thunder down in my life. It doesn't free me to walk in holiness. It doesn't free me to walk in sanctification. So when I was meditating on this text, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As I began to realize that God doesn't punish, there's no punitive behavior for followers of Jesus because that's what, in fact, denies the gospel, I found that that actually... It, first of all, it frees me from believing that I can somehow be engaged at all in the, in the process of forgiveness. That's what God does for me through Jesus' substitutionary work on the cross. But it also frees me to walk in holiness. It frees me to walk in sanctification. When I constantly receive my own punishment and try and bear that own weight, it becomes sort of a self-defeating reality where I perpetually persist in my sin. But if I understand that God is not trying to punish me, but rather trying to point me or correct me, point me toward a preferred future, it frees me to love him deeply and to walk in, uh, in, 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 uh, in righteousness. So here's the thing. If we get this wrong, if we get this wrong, and so many in the church get this wrong, they think that the discipline of God is the punishment of God. If we get this wrong, it sucks the life out of our faith. It drives us not closer to Jesus. It drives us closer to our own self-righteous perspective on Christ and gospel and Christianity. It drives us to sort of self-help Christianity where we're constantly trying to do better and do more. And we constantly fail in those attempts to do better and to do more. And all that serves to do is literally take the freedom that Romans 8, 1 and following tells us comes as a result of his now, no, no more condemnation. It takes that freedom and it constantly just drains it out of our lives, causing us to run toward self-righteousness, which kills our faith, kills our joy, chases us away from Jesus. And while we think we're progressing in sanctification because we're working really hard, we're receiving the punishment of God, we're getting what's ours, we deserve this, we ought to be punished, we feel good about it, and all the while, what's happening is it's actually working counterintuitively to destroy, to erode our faith. And so if I could encourage you to do anything, it would be to rest in the discipline of God, to recognize that God has designed the world to function in a certain manner. And sin entered the world and distorted, I mean, it dis distorted everything. In a sense, it flipped the world upside down. And so when you and I believe in the gospel, it turns the world upside or right side up and enables us to see the world and to experience the world God designed it. 
And when you and I get the discipline of God rightly, we recognize that discipline is not ultimately pointing back at what we've done and shaming us over it. But rather, it's God in love coming to us as his children, basically cradling our faces in his hands and saying, my son, my daughter, that is a flawed way to live. That will suck the life out of you. That will destroy your life. But I, I have a preferred destination, a preferred future. The gospel frees you to chase that preferred destination. And so I'm going to discipline you, not punish you. I'm going to correct you. I'm not going to point back to your failure. I'm going to point forward to my preferred future. And when that happens in our lives, it frees us not only to grow in sanctification, but it frees us to grow deeper and deeper in love with Jesus, who loves us enough to discipline us in response to our belief in the gospel and allows us to ultimately grow into the image of Jesus. Thanks for listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project, a family of resources revealing how all scripture gives testimony to Jesus. Learn more at gospelproject.com.